Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Before I introduce Julie, I want to thank Media Super, who are the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund, and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice, particularly timely at the moment. Contact me, me for any further information, and I can put you in contact with the relevant people. The format for today is that after I introduce Julie, she will speak for about 20 minutes and then open up for questions. With questions for Julie, can I please ask that you write your questions down in the chat section? Helen Kim will send a message to you, letting you know if your question has been selected. So keep an eye out for that. Please also keep your computer on mute so we can hear everyone clearly. But if you're about to ask a question, please unmute so we can hear you. So now I'd like to introduce Dr. Julie Crabtree. Julie is at the forefront of understanding how to be healthy and creative. So this is a great opportunity to engage. So over to you, Julie, and thank you. Hi everyone, um, welcome to everyone in um, Australia and welcome to everyone in New Zealand. It's an incredible privilege to be here. And as you can see, I'm in a very kind of creative space myself um, with, you know, keyboards and, you know, scribbles and everything behind me. Um, I've been researching creativity and mental health for a long, long time and working a lot with actors and performers. And I'm very aware that for many of you, this is a challenge unlike you have had. And this is for people in a very, very challenging industry. And so um, we are, I guess, all together trying to work out how we're going to move forward and how we're going to navigate these next few weeks. Now, I said to myself, I'm not going to use the word unprecedented because I've heard it too much. But we just want to acknowledge that we don't know what we're doing. We're doing things for the first time. And it's a very, very frightening time. And um, we don't know what things will look like at the end of this time. But um, I guess I'm here to talk about a couple of things that are particular for those of you in the um, acting and performing industries. One of the things that I, I wanted to talk about is um, your unique challenges. And in doing that, I wanted to talk about you as unique people, um, the way you think and your personality and how that creates for you vulnerabilities and how it creates for you ways to help yourself. So the first thing is um, that we understand for creative people, they have what's called divergent thinking. They think fast, rapid, fluid thinking, able to make unique associations. You, it's the type of thinking you have when you're doing improv. You just think really fast. You also have what's called reduce um, mental boundaries, a really kind of bad psychological term. I prefer skinlessness. It means that you have a reduced ability to filter out irrelevant information like sounds, noises, things like that. From a personality point of view, 
you have um, uh, impulsive nonconformity, it's called. It means that you do things differently. If somebody says, do, th do it this way, you'll think of really imaginative ways to do it differently. It, it means that you are unbelievably great at um, being a problem solver, for example. You are, you are people that um, are, are novelty seekers. You will seek differences and change. You will take risks. You will be exploratory. And you have high empathy. It helps you connect with characters. It helps you feel things deeply. Now you can see with just some of those things I've talked about, that there are things that are gonna be helpful for you at the moment, and there are things that you're gonna to have to manage differently. So one of the first things is your divergent thinking, rapid fluid thinking able to make unique associations. It's amazing when you're doing improv, but it's not so good when you're in the middle of a crisis in a pandemic and your ability to think fast and imagine means that you can move from this is I, I, I'm concerned about this to I'm catastrophizing that I'm about to die through coronavirus. Um, so how to, one of the first things that we have to do as creative people is to work out what is a, an appropriate level of caution and what is catastrophic thinking. And I want you right now, just in, in, in this moment to go, what, what is me being cautious? And I think being in lockdown, you know, hand sanitizing, wearing masks if appropriate, not going outside, limiting what you do, all of that is appropriate caution. Having, um, having yourself on a, a, an internal movie of contagion 24 seven, where you catastrophize about your imminent death, that probably a lot of that is um, catastrophic. Um, so just thinking about what is a, appropriate caution and what is catastrophic thinking and naming it as catastrophic thinking. Because when you name it as catastrophic thinking, it means you can start challenging whether it, it's true or not. And, and one of the things that is helpful is a technique where you, what's called um, a stay present. When you're anxious, you are either in the past or the future. One of the techniques for managing anxiety is being present. And there's a really, really helpful technique that's called dropping anchor that I've found to be really helpful. And it's something that you could even do right now which is putting your feet on the ground, kind of anchoring yourself to the earth, being aware of your breathing and just slowing your breathing down a couple of times. When you slow your breathing down, you switch off your internal body alarm system, your th threat response, and turn on more of your relaxation response. You become aware of yourself in the chair you know, how, how are you sitting? How are you feeling in your chair? And then you look around the space and you notice five things that are red and you can look at my space, you know, what, what's red or what's blue in the space and you count it. 
another thing you can do is listen to sounds and be aware of five sounds in the space. What that exercise does is take you out of your thoughts, out of the past, out of the future, and in the now and in the present. When we're in the present, we, our, our anxiety begins to drop a little bit. When we think about anxiety, one of the things that I like to imagine is, is, um, is a black balloon. And I want you to picture now a, a black balloon that is not blown up. That's, if you like, appropriate caution right now, appropriate concerns. Whenever we catastrophize, it's like we're blowing up the black balloon inside of us until it can become this big black ball of anxiety and stress. That, that means that our body goes into heightened threat. We find difficulty sleeping. We find difficulty eating. We're just in this constant state of panic. So a lot of what we're doing is trying to continue to take some of that air out of the balloon. And right now, as you're sitting there going, how big's my black anxiety balloon? And how, what can I say to myself right now to begin, begin to reduce that balloon? You have got an amazing imagination as creative people, as actors and performers. And right now, that anxiety is something that is our greatest strength and also our greatest vulnerability because we have to keep hold of our imagination so it doesn't kind of get out of control. And that's kind of one of the most important strategies for this period of time. We don't know how long we're going to be in lockdown. We just don't know. And unless you feel like you have the virus or are, have been in contact with somebody in the virus that has the virus, the biggest challenge we face is how to keep our mental health well and healthy over this time. That's our challenge. And if you were preparing for a role, you would have a period of time of preparation, of self-discipline, of learning things. The, my challenge to you right now is to let your mental health be the thing that you are challenging, that you are working on, that you are practicing self-discipline. So I would start by going, what's my structure? And I love some of the jokes that are around, which is at 8pm, I get out of my daytime pyjamas and get into my nighttime pyjamas. You know, um, you know, another, uh, another Italian said, um, I'm tired of wearing my yoga pants. I just want to get dressed up in my suit just for something different to wear. You know, I'm in my yoga pants and loving it. But it's helpful to have some sort of structure and routine. You get out of bed at a particular time. You get dressed. You do some form of exercise that you can do. You have structure around eating. You have structure around sleeping. You plan things for yourself. Um, structure is a really helpful technique for keeping us grounded and normal and anchored. And I think that that's important for our mental health. Um, I've talked about some of the vulnerability factors. Um, one of the other mm -hmm. vulnerability factors we have 
is what I, I talked about skinlessness, which is a reduced ability to filter out irrelevant information. So I've been talking a lot to, my, to the creative people about the fact that they're there in a small space and they can't filter out noise. And so their, you know, their flatmate or their family member does not know that they can't filter out noise and they are getting more and more agitated about the clicks and the noises and the, you know, all of those things. So um, what I've suggested is helpful to talk to the people that you're in lockdown with about just the fact that noise is an issue for you. You know, mostly you have noise cancelling um, headphones that help. Um, knowing that you have to have some time in a safe space away where you can feel alone and safe and negotiate that with the people that you're with. Um, so that's, again, one of the other vulnerability factors. Let's go to the things that you have that are helping you at this time. One of the things that I want to talk about is the fact that you are great, flexible thinkers, that you are superior problem solvers. You have got a, an incredible ability to make connections to solve problems because of the way you think. And what I've noticed, and you would have noticed this around the world, that the creative community is rising up. We are being creative. We are being funny. We are solving problems. We are connecting. We are doing things differently. And the way we think gives us this amazing ability to adapt and change. People that have got very rigid thinking are struggling now because everything's changing so fast. Um, but for you, you can adapt and change. You're flexible. You know how to move and change and, and flow with things. You know how to think about problems differently. You know how to solve problems differently. So I would encourage you to be aware of that and to um, use this time to um, solve some problems, to be creative. As I've been talking to different creative people, one of the things that I hear over and over again is that there is a treadmill of auditions. Do I, have I got the work? Am I doing a self-tape? What's the next thing? I've got to hustle for work all the time. And I'm in this almost competitive atmosphere of going, am I going to get it or not? That creates a huge level of stress. And what I've noticed is that everyone is on the level playing field now. And that allows you time to do some work that you, you um, don't do under other circumstances because you're always on the go or you're always stressed about work. And, and that sort of work is doing, um, doing some self-reflection. One of the great challenges that we have as actors and performers is working on our identity, working on who we are, working on who we want to be, 
working on our values, working on being the type of person we want to be at the end of this time. And I'm sending out a challenge um, to you, and that is imagine who you want to be at the end of this time. Imagine the qualities that you want to have at the end of this time and start doing some of that work of reflection. Um, you know, do some personal journaling, read some books, find out some things that are going to help you do this deeper work. You're in an industry where you don't get long service leave, when you don't get this long, you know, um, holiday pay or anything like that. Use this time to work on yourself. Use this time to be kind with yourself. Use this time to uh, just become a little bit more of the person that you want to be. So when you're you emerge, you're a stronger, more resilient, less anxious, less perfectionistic, more loving, more self-kind person. Um, so, and, and make this time something valuable for you. Now, I've kind of talked for a while, <laughs> um, a lot more to say, but I really feel that um, it'd be great to get some questions because I'm aware that some of you have got some very specific questions. So I want to leave time for that. So can we, can we hand over some questions? Um, I think they're typing it now. Great. In the meantime, I'm going to, um, what we're going to be doing is putting on the various appropriate websites some resources for you. One of the things that I was very conscious of, that in each of your different um, uh, kind of areas, that you need access to free mental health support. So one of the things that we're doing is we're going to do some research for you and we're going to put um, up for you some resources that will allow you access to free mental health support. Um, I'm aware of what it is in New South Wales, but I'm not aware of it, um, what it's called in other states. And um, like everything that is in the government and free is not easy to access. So we want to do some work for you to help you make, make a little bit more accessible. While I'm waiting for, um, uh, for um, questions to come up. Oh, we've got a question. Well, let me just read, read this. This is from um, a, an approach called acceptance and commitment therapy. And um, uh, it, it talks about values and said committed action should be guided by your core values. What do you stand for in the face of this crisis? What sort of person do you want to be who goes through this? How do you want to treat yourself and others in the midst of this crisis? And I thought that was a really great statement. Um, so let's go with questions. Hi, um, I'm John Looker. I'm from South Australia. Um, my question is, uh, over your time working with actors and creatives, what effect, if any, has social media and the internet had on their well-being? What I, um, what I talk about with social media is that for the creative, it's like crack cocaine, which means that it's something that can be um, 
is highly addictive. In fact, the platforms are designed to get you very addicted. Along with that is we're looking from a, an actor's um, point of view, and that is you're very, very aware of rejection. You're very, very aware of how people are judging you. You're very aware of imagining being judged negatively. So we're putting those things together and suddenly you're on social media where you are perceiving that you could be judged or judged negatively, where it is designed to, addict, to make you addicted. And it's very much about how, how your persona is perceived. So I'm, I'm going, um, it, it, knowing it's something that can be addictive, learning how for yourself to manage it rather than it driving you because it can really negatively impact your mental health. And right now, we need to do things that help our mental health. So these are some, um, these are some guidelines that I, I would give. Um, uh, don't don't um, let the first thing you do when you get up in the morning be going on social media. Notice how long you're spending on social media. Um, uh, I, I think that there are some kind of groups that are incredibly helpful and important for you um, on social media. So right now we can't just go, okay, I'm going to go cold turkey. We can't do that because it's our lifeblood right now. Nor can we let it become something that just feeds us constantly and impacts our mental health. So if we're posted something and, and we don't get enough likes, we just beat ourselves up. So um, recognise that you've got to put some boundaries and controls around how you manage social media. Even if you do something like set up a new Instagram group, for the people that are great for your mental health and you just support each other. Like I know um, some creators I know in London that have set up a separate um, Instagram account and they're doing um, online pub trivia as a way to entertain themselves. Great idea, you know? That's a great idea. That's helping you use social media for your connection, not um, just just obsessing about social media, just spending hours upon hours, just trolling through your social media. Um, that's something that's not helpful. The, the one I talked to where, where you're just, you know, checking in with friends and you're supporting each other, you're doing fun things online, that's great. Um, does that answer your question or do you want to say Yeah, that? yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, I was just, thanks. Yeah. Um, if you know you're a terrible social media addict, then there's some apps that you can get that, that limit your access to things. Um, like all addictions, you can have with, with your partners or the people you're with, go take my phone for 24 hours. Let me do cold turkey. Um, then give it back to me. Um, if you know that you're that type of person, you know, um, it, it is addictive. Kia Hi. It's Jennifer Ward-Leland here, President of Equity New Zealand here in Auckland in Aotearoa. Uh, Lovely to meet you online. Kia ora. I was really 
thrilled to be at your session in Melbourne last year at the Waste Wellness Forum. And I wondered if you could reiterate to our group what goes on chemically in the brain for performers in a high stress scene or situation and post-show. You had some really interesting things to say there and I wanted every actor in New Zealand to hear you. Yes. Um, so uh, we, um, our brain, as you know, is just an amazing things. What happens, there are, there are things that happen under stress and that is um, that our body responds to stress by producing a whole lot of chemicals like adrenaline and cortisol. They have the effect of increasing our heart rate, increasing our breathing rate, taking everything away from our internal, you know, digestion immune system, taking it to our extremities, giving us what we need to run, to fight or to play dead effectively, which is our kind of survival response. What happens is that um, our, our brain can't separate a life-threatening snake, and this is particularly an Australian analogy, from a um, from a, a, a situation where um, we think our director doesn't like us and thinks we've had a bad performance. Our body responds in the same way. So we have to find ways of um, learning to switch off that stress response. And that's why I talked to you about the breathing, because the breathing is one way of beginning to switch off our our kind of our, our threat response, um, so that we begin to calm down. We switch off the adrenaline and the cortisol. We begin to rest and relax afterwards. Is that what you were talking about, Jennifer, or were there specifics? Uh, there was. I remember you talked about. Um, what happens, say, after a show, you know, where actors potentially could be self-medicating at the bar, yeah. uh, those other sort of situations of what goes on. I think you, you compared one to almost like a, like a pee, you know, the, the effects of somebody who's smoking pee. Oh, yeah. Does pee mean anything to you? What do you call it? Yes. Yeah. So um, I talked about the things that... Um, the qualities that researchers understand are particular to highly creative people. And I talked about the idea of skinlessness and the fact that we are, with reduced filters, we're assaulted by an awful lot of information. We are feeling things deeply. We feel our own pain deeply. We feel other people's pain, pain very deeply. And this means that we, we have ways of coping. Some of those ways of coping um, can be almost a form of self-medication where we try and numb the pain. Um, we numb the pain with alcohol. We numb the pain with other type of drugs. And one of the things in particular I was talking about is that there has been some studies that talk about the fact that if you smoke a lot of dope, it tends to make you what's, more, what's called more schizotypal, more along the pathway of delusions, schizophrenia, bipolar, um, as opposed to somebody that isn't as creative. Um, when they smoke dope, they become more creative. They become more funny. But for the creative, it has a different outcome. So the creative has to be a little bit more careful about how they, how they manage their pain and their, um, the impact of their industry. And particularly now, you know, we're sitting at home and we're scared. We're sitting at home and we're worried about who we are 
We're worried about um, if we're going to have a jobs as performers at the end of this. And it would be very easy to self-medicate. It'd be very easy to just numb out. And I think one of our challenges in this kind of mental health challenge is to learn different ways of coping with um, rather, rather than just letting us numb out um, when we feel intense pain. Um, uh, one of the techniques that's really helpful is when we're feeling things deeply, is to breathe, acknowledge and name the emotion, stretch out our ability to tolerate it, anchor ourselves, breathe, and then move on. Yep. Hello, hi, hi. Julie. My name's Sophie. I'm in New Zealand and Dunedin at the moment in the South Island. Uh, so my question was surrounding identity and performers. I think myself and probably a lot of people as a generalization use our job or our work as a big part of our identity. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's a strange state at the moment. We can make use of this time to upskill and work on other things, but I guess we lose that ability to perform and then the uncertainty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I'm very conscious that for many people, they, um, they go through school, they feel like they want to become a performer after they go into acting school. And in some ways, um, those environments teach them how to uh, move into character, how to lean into other roles and characters. Um, but the work of learning who they are, learning about their own identity, in some ways can get suppressed in in the the um uh in their yearning to be a great actor and performer and i i guess that's why i was saying this is an opportunity for you to work on your own identity who am i who am i um uh am i still an actor if i'm if i'm not doing any acting right now am i still a performer if right now there is no audience um uh, and uh, even without myself as an actor, who, who am I when I'm off the stage? Who, who am I when I'm off the screen? Um, uh, and, and work on those questions. Um, what's my personality? What do I, where do I come from? What's my heritage? Um, who do I want to shape myself to be at this time? when I don't have the pressure to, um, to go to auditions, to do self-tapes, to think about the next role. Um, because I think a more resilient actor is one that has a stronger sense of self. I think a more resilient actor is somebody who says, um, what I do is act, who I am is, is a, a, not, not just an actor um, because that helps us be resilient over the times when we don't have work, um, over the times when our, our acting is hard. So, yeah, I would work on, on your, your um, identity um, uh, and um, out of just being an actor. Learn to, learn to know yourself.
because as you learn to know yourself, you will become a better actor. You know. Um, hi. My name is Dominic Westcott and I'm based in Melbourne. I hope you can hear me. My microphone's not fantastic. Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, Dominic. Great. Um, I was just wondering about those who are concerned about what maybe the implications are post-lockdown. I know as actors we tend to have a mindset on one gig at once as well as the next gig. Yes. Uh, so how, how would we best navigate that kind of feeling uh, with the lockdown yeah, and, and I, I think you've got a choice and I want you to picture if you're like a big V like this and you're at this point which is the beginning of the, um, uh, you, you know, the beginning of the lockdown and the crisis and parts of the gr this side of the V is behaving unlike the person you want to be, moving, um, um, moving away from the person you want to be. This side of the V is behaving like the person you want to be, moving toward the life you want. And you've got a choice. When you behave along this side of the V, it's um, I'm, I'm just going to sit on the couch, veg out, get stressed out, catastrophize, and just go, that's it, I'm done, there's going to be nothing for me. That's behaving unlike you want to be, doing things that take you away from the life you want. When you think along this side of the V, um, you go, I have got some space in my life now. The noise around me has been muted. I have got breathing room now. And I have the opportunity, either alone or remotely with other people, to let my natural creativity rise. And what we know about a crisis. It's the most important time for us to um, change. What we also know about a crisis is that most great creative events occur not when everything runs smoothly, not when we've got amazing resources, not when anything works according to plan, but when um, things are, are difficult and under pressure. It's like we need that to bring out our create creativity at a different level. And I would encourage all of you along this part of the V to give yourself the space and the time to do what you are great at, and that is to be creative. Write. Post things online. Explore really different things. Do the stuff that you've kept on saying, I don't have time to do that. It would be my view that the creative person are at the head of culture. The creative people are those that lead our society. And I do think we have an extraordinary opportunity to do just that, to be the cultural leaders, to... Um, to create things out of this that didn't exist a month or two ago. Um, we can stay on the couch and veg and, and get frightened and catastrophize, or we can use this moment, and I almost said unprecedented, but I'm not, this moment to give ourselves the space to create something to connect with other people because we know 
that great movements of creativity occur tribally, occur together, occur when we connect. So Dominic, I would just encourage yourself to connect with people and um, start creating. Uh, write a list of all the things you've wanted to do. Um, allow your natural creativity to bubble to the surface um, and just start doing, start playing, start being curious. Um, and I'm excited to see, Dominic, what will occur at the end of that. Hi, Julie. It's Hamish calling in from uh, Auckland in New Zealand. I think you've sort of answered uh, a bit of this question already, but mine was around what tools can we bring to feelings of anxiety? Is that really low? Uh, sorry, feelings of uncertainty. Is that really low level anxiety? Yes. Or do you have a different approach to uncertainty? Yes. I think um, the first thing is not being in denial. <laughs> you know, we, we just don't know. We just don't know. And um, to pretend, pretend that, that everything's going to be fine, I, th I think is denial, which um, is kind of the other side of um, catastrophic thinking. Uh, but I, I, I would recognise what we do have control of and what we don't have control of. We don't have control over our economic circumstances. We don't have control over our politicians and their policies around funding for the arts. We don't have control over that. What we do have control over is ourselves and our response to it. We have a whole lot of control about that. And I think that we have, uh, I think there is gonna be a reset in a number of things. I think we're going to see a reset in greed. I think we're gonna see a reset in our social relationships. Um, I think we're going to see a reset in what we value and what's important to us. And, um, and I think that as creative people, we can control how we relate to those things. Um, for actors and artists, we know how to navigate lean times. We know how to navigate the ups and downs of finances because that's our life. But there's a whole lot of people around us that have got no idea how to do that. So um, I guess bringing our, our best selves to the uncertainty and to, um, and to controlling what we can control in the circumstances. Yeah. Hi. There we go, that's better. Hi everyone, um, my name's Elena. I uh, act, write and direct and I live on Ghana country in Adelaide. Um, thank you so much, uh, Julianne Equity. This is great. I just wanted to ask a question about, um, uh, as a senior artist in this uh, little community, um, I, uh, and as an empath, I'm speaking a lot to my friends and my colleagues. Yes. And I would like to know uh, some really good ways that I can uh, assist them, support them through their own anxiety. There's a lot of people who are a lot more anxious about this at the moment than I am because I have practices that I can control my anxiety with, thankfully. But also what can I do then to maintain my um, emotional hygiene, I guess. Yes. And you've raised a couple of things. First is your own practices. and 
one of the things that I would really strongly encourage everyone to do if you don't already, and that is have a mindfulness practice. There are some great um, apps. Some of those cost, some of them don't. Um, the ones that cost is Calm and Headspace. I really like Calm at the moment. Um, some that don't cost are A Smiling Mind. Um, and um, uh, we're also putting on um, our website, website Zero Psychology, some, um, some mindfulness exercises that you can download for free. So do your mindfulness exercises, because when you do, you're still in your mind, you're switching off your threat alert, and you're helping your body rest. So thanks, Eleanor, for, for mentioning your practices. You also mentioned something else, and that is you're an empath which means that you feel things deeply. You feel your pain deeply, you feel other people's pain deeply. And I know in talking with actors and creatives that in, in looking at the news, we can't help but feel deeply about the pain, the grief throughout the world. And in some ways, I think if we really allowed ourselves to feel that pain, we could, um, we could become quite immobilised. Um, and I guess one of the things I would ask, Eleanor, is what's your primary task right now? If it's to support your friends, um, then, then that's what you can serve in terms of your empathy, which means that maybe you don't check the news reports as much. Maybe you have to create empathic hygiene around some of those things so you can do the job that's in front of you, which is supporting your friends. And maybe you, um, uh, rather than allowing just this influx of anxiety to come to you, that you, you create some boundary around it. One of the things I think about when I think about anxiety is the idea of the highly anxious person is in a cage and they're stuck in like the prison of their anxiety. And what they like to do is gather as many people as possible to be in their own personal anxious cage because it helps them. But for you dealing with their anxiety, it's not helpful. Um, so what we have to do when we're dealing with a lot of anxious people is not allow ourselves to go into the anxious cage. Um, that that's their, their will, we help them, we challenge them. We help them with techniques of what's the evidence, what's true, all of those things. Um, but we don't allow ourselves to go into that anxious cage. And if we find ourselves going there, then we create our own hygiene. We take some time. We reflect. We listen to something funny. We, one of my favourite things with the people around me is, as I go, tell me a joke. You know, um, say something nice to me. Um, there's a, um, a great um, uh, um, radio personality, Ash London, and she's got a podcast, which is The Sunny Side. So she's posting podcasts of really great things because we need it as, as an antidote to all of the other things that, are, that we're hearing. So um, uh, learning what our job is and doing that job. Our empathy is a resource that is incredibly precious. And so we have to husband our resource and not just constantly pour it out because um, then we can't do our job. Um, 
if that makes sense. Hi. Hello. There we go. Hello. Uh, this is so helpful. Thank you so much. Um, something that this time has made me realize is that I don't have any hobbies. Um, for the last 10 years, my, my passion has been my work and my work has been my passion. And I was wondering if you had any tips for suddenly having more time on my hands at home on what are some like playful activities or things that I could look into doing that have nothing to do with an outcome or benefiting my career exactly yeah in some ways we're kind of reverting a little bit to the 30s and 40s where they used to knit we used to they used to play board games in the family where they did a, a lot of things and, and um i i think having something that we do repetitively with our hands is incredibly important because it's self-soothing um it, it's like this rhythmic there is no there is nothing better really in some ways when we're anxious than sitting in a rocking chair and knitting because we're just our minds occupied our hands are occupied there's a rhythm to it we're, we're just processing stuff in the same way there is nothing more self-soothing than getting a piece of wood and kind of whistling away um, or doodling and drawing um, finding something that you can do with your hands that is self-soothing, recovering some of these wonderful old practices that our modern life has let go. Um, learn to knit, learn to crochet, learn to, um, you know, learn to do embroidery. Um, I'm talking about, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to be very gendered about that whittle, you know, build things, um, make things. Uh, but the the aim is it's incredibly therapeutic to do something routinely and rhythmically with our hands where we don't have to think but it just absorbs our mind um, uh, would be um, would be my thought when I ask you Emily what's um, what is something as a child that you always wanted to do that haven't had the time to do? What would you say? Um, dancing. <laughs> Apart from dancing. <laughs> you know, as a hobby. As a hobby. Um, drawing, painting. There you go. There you go. I, I think you see a lot of very successful creative people and they have their, um, their, the creativity they do for work and for income and then the, the creativity they do for themselves so a whole lot of actors and comedians paint as well um, and a whole lot of musicians uh, you know uh, draw so it's helpful at this time to develop something else you know it's not not only helpful now it's going to be helpful for you know, um, for 10 years down the track when you need something to do in between. Um, and so, yeah, I would encourage you to do that. Hi. Gosh, hang on, mute. I'm mute myself. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good, thanks. I'm Rachel Ward. Uh, thank you so much for this. This is wonderful. I love how you, I, I've always had uh, skinlessness, which you, uh, labeled for me which is really uh wonderful and i just wanted to ask oh i'm from um queensland by the way um looks so lovely and sunny there 
<laughs> I know I'm so grateful for it right now. Honestly, I'm practicing gratitude so much and it is something that I'm very grateful for. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, can you explain techniques and give examples of things to say to others, particularly loved ones, um, to not offend and allow them to understand not being able to filter out noise? Yes. Yeah. It, it, yes, it's hard. Um, and, you know, I... I go with science because <laughs> um, people f uh, find it harder to discount science. And I go, um, we have no, it's called um, in scientific terms, low latent inhibition. And in scientific terms, from a personality po point of view, um, and, and I'm, I apologize for using this word, it's a terrible word, but high neurosis. So I'm going to talk about those two things. So um, we know that, um, for example, if you went into a party, which we can't do now, but let's imagine, and you were over in one corner and somebody over the other side of um, the party mentioned your name, you would immediately turn around and attend to that and stop listening to the person in front of you. What that's an example of is that our brain has this filtering mechanism which says this is relevant and this isn't relevant. And it kind of filters that out for us. When we have what's called low latent inhibition, reduced pre-attentive filtering, it means that, that we don't filter it out so much. And so we are, are just taking in a lot more information. I like to think about, and again, this is probably an Australian analogy, so, um, you know, for those that are watching from New Zealand, I'm sure you can adapt. We've got an echidna, which has got all of these spikes. For somebody without the high creativity, um, they would have about 50 spikes taking in sensory information. For the creative, they've got about 150 and taking in um, uh, sensory information, which means we get tired which means that when there's a tap dripping, it's, it's just annoying for us. So sitting down and explaining the science to people how, and, and negotiating, like here's the information, how do we negotiate about how I manage my skinlessness and how, um, how you can get on and do your tasks? And a lot of it is when I'm doing really no noisy things, I'll go to this space, I can put my noise cancelling headphones on. When it gets overwhelming and when I can, I can go outside where there's silence because a lot of what we need is just silence to help ourselves recover. Uh, the other part of skinlessness is this um, uh, high interpersonal sensitivity, which means that we're absorbing people's emotions an awful lot. And again, it's exhausting, it's tiring and we need time out. And that's again a boundary thing. So if we've got a partner or a flatmate um, that is highly anxious and um, quite intense in their emotions, we're just gonna need some boundary around that. And just say lovingly, look, I wanna be there and present for you, um, but I just need some time by myself. I need some alone time. So when I just withdraw, I'm not wanting to be offensive. I just need my alone time and explaining things like that. Does that uh, help, Rachel? Yeah, it does. Um, I think 
I'm also a very empathetic person too. And so I try to help in any way I can to all those around me, but I definitely recognize within myself that I need to work on boundaries just because of exactly what we're talking about. Um, and just literally self-isolating in a different way. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you know, um, it's okay for us not to have to be there for everyone all the time. Otherwise we're not going to get through this well. It's okay for us to have alone time, to, to retreat, to establish quiet, to rest, because it allows us to keep on being supportive of the people that we care about. Um, and I think that's an important thing at this time. Thanks, Julie. Just want to jump in here. We're almost at the end, so this is the last question. So thanks. Right. Hi, um, so I'm from New Zealand, but my question pertains to the fact that in, since January I've moved, I was living in Toronto, I've moved, moved to New York and then moved back to New Zealand last week. Uh, and I've been in isolation for about four weeks because I was in isolation for two weeks in New York yes. before coming back to New Zealand. Um, and what I'm really struggling with is creating a routine through all the travel and the um, moving around and then sticking to it because it's like I'll have a good day and then I don't know I don't, I don't know whether I've found a system yet for creating a routine that is not too much but yes. also supports me and yes. helps me be creative and cope so um in New Zealand you're in lockdown now yes um, but you can still go outside as long as you maintain distance is that correct yes so I, I asked you that because your body clock, your circadian rhythm would be all over the place. And one of the things that you need to do is help your body clock stay in sync with where you are. The best way to do that is light. So I would expose yourself to light during daylight hours. Because what that does, it connects to the pituitary gland, that connects to our internal kind of clock which tells us when we go to sleep and when we wake up. One of the most helpful things for you to do right now is establish your body clock, even if it's hard. Even if you want to connect with the people overseas, um, just, just wake up at a good time, go to sleep at a good time and teach your body again when, it's, when it should go to sleep and when it should wake up. And letting, um, what happens is when, um, when it's light, it triggers our melatonin, which um, tells us when we're ready to go to sleep. Sorry, when it's light, um, it triggers our serotonin, which tells us it's time to wake up. Serotonin is linked to mood, depression um, and anxiety. So that's why it's so important to reset our circadian rhythm um, because it's, it's incredibly linked to mood. And right now, yours is all over the place. So I, I, I would have that as your first priority. The next thing is your eating and diet. So you, you just, it, it, the routine of I'm going to eat at these times, even if I don't feel like it. Because again, it's, it's resetting our clock. Um, uh, the other thing I would do is I'd get a piece of paper, map out the week, get a whole lot of colours and start to map out some priorities, some you know, I'm going to wake up here. I'm going to do my personal exercise here. I'm going to do my mindfulness here. I'm going to work on my project here and just map it out. 
it's got to be in colour because anything rigid we won't be interested in. And, and just have a little bit of a, a structure and sequence that you set up that you can follow um, because that will help you to reset yourself back. And I would allow there to be some time for re reflection. I, I, I said to one person, think about this as your own personal retreat where you're reflecting on yourself. Um, so set aside time for that self-reflection as well. So there would be a few kind of tips to help reset. Julie, thank you so much for that. That was fantastic. Uh, on behalf of all the participants today, I wanna to thank you for your time and giving that fantastic advice. So can everyone, you know, 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 you